uh, Buddy Stout's with us. Uh, he has a surgery on his back. We're glad that he's out and with us today. There are others also uh, that uh, are back in with us. Uh, we have uh, Vaughn Debrina Meyer visiting with us today. Good to have her. Is anybody else visiting uh, with us that uh, do not normally come? Okay. Everybody's going to admit it. <laughs> all right. It's good to have all your regular folks here with us uh, this morning. A few prayer requests, as I mentioned, Vicki, with her situation. Beth Jones has a uh, financial securities test tomorrow. She's asking prayer for uh, Frank Proctor. Uh, is 65 years of age. He is in ICU with COVID-19, not very doing very well. I understand he's a good believer, and uh, we want uh, to remember Frank Proctor. Um, he has a good prayer. And then uh, David Bass. Is Benita here? I didn't see Benita earlier. But continue to pray for David. He is home out of the hospital uh, from his surgery, and uh, we want to continue to pray that uh, his healing will go well. David, would you mind to pray for us at this moment? Uh, we're going to have prayer, and we'll get right into our singing. We're only going to have a couple songs, a special, and go right into the message to try to keep things moving uh, with your time this morning. But again, may I say from my heart, I really appreciate all of your faithfulness and being here. I want to thank those of you that have been faithful over the last two months that have sent in your tithe uh, or have dropped it by the church. The uh, Lord has blessed and helped us maintain our finances uh, uh, during this time, and we really appreciate the Lord uh, doing that through you. Uh, I think that should do it. Uh, Frank Proctor primarily there, David, and the others uh, that we mentioned, and uh, we'll have prayer. And then David is going to lead us uh, with our songs at that time. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can meet together for the first time in two months. We thank you for your tender care to each one of us. And Lord, right now we think about this dear man, Frank Proctor, who has got this virus. Lord, we know that this virus, as any other thing in this world, uh, is not something that's a haphazard thing. And you've allowed him to get it, but this may not get him. Lord, you know what your will is for his life, whether you're going to call him home through this or whether you're going to bring him through this. Lord, it's a testimony as you have Amy sitting with us this morning who was very, very ill. And we're so glad, Lord, to see her here today. Lord, there's many others that are suffering right now with this virus. You know each one of them. But Father, it ought to bring all of our minds and, and attention to the fact that life is brief. We don't know what your plan is for any one of us, and we trust the Lord for every day, but the world doesn't, and they are terrified, and all the things that we're going through this morning are because of the human standpoint, from the human standpoint of taking precautions, but we can't see this enemy. We don't know where it is. We don't know how it's passed. We don't know anything about it, but you know all about it, and we just pray for your protection and your care. Lord, protect those that are nurses who have to deal with this on a daily basis, for the doctors who have to deal with it. And Lord, for each of us, we do thank you and praise you for the health that we have have enjoyed through all of this. I pray for Vicki this morning that this uh, cough that she has may dissipate quickly and it'll not be anything serious, especially this virus. Lord, as we sing now, I pray that we may lift up our voices together and praise your name for who you are. And Lord, thank you for what you mean to each one of us and thank you that we can be together now. Thank you, Jesus, sweet name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. We're going to sing, Brethren, we have met the worship. And I get to use my hymnal. You have to look at the screen. <laughs>
just remain standing. Victory in Jesus. Boy, I tell you, two months of cobwebs is hard to blow out at one time. <laughs> <laughs>
It's those things um, I think about as uh, part of the prayer of uh, Jobez, uh, Jabez that I had adopted when I first came here as my uh, uh, ministry verses that he would broaden my coast. That is the the uh, opportunities to affect and to uh, uh, to uh, influence others. And, and that is one way that the Lord is doing that we had not uh, necessarily intended, but praise the Lord for that. So keep in prayer those things that are going on. But there's another verse I want to share with you, a practical verse for our returning two services. And here you go. Yeah, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I hope that's the amen when every one of us here. Uh, I miss being in uh, services with you. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity for us to be face-to-face in here today and for each one of you that have come out. I'd like you to take your Bibles with you, please, and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. I came across the following article. It says, Christians can be grouped into two categories, marbles and grapes. Marbles are single units that don't affect each other except in collision. Grapes, on the other hand, mingle juices. Each one is a part of the fragrance of the church body. The early Christians didn't bounce around like loose marbles, ricocheting in all directions. Picture them as a cluster of ripe grapes, squeezed together by persecution, difficulties, trials, bleeding and mingling into one another. Fellowship and worship, then, is genuine Christianity freely shared amongst God's family members. I think that is so true. It's sad to think of how many Christians today are missing out on the closeness that they could have in fellowship with other believers. Um, Songs and sermons are good. I praise the Lord that we've been able to do that through video over the past two months. But songs and sermons fall short of all that God intends for us to be as a church. We can't fellowship with one another sitting at home watching a video in the service. We can be blessed by the songs. We can be instructed in righteousness by the Word of God. But we cannot fellowship with each other as God intends. And so today I want us to look, and that article went on to say, by the way, if we roll in and out of church each week without acquiring a few grape juice things, we really haven't experienced the sweet taste of fellowship. And I want to encourage you with this today as we think about what fellowship is and what we have as a church in fellowship and what we are to take advantage of in that fellowship, uh, there are some very important things for us to understand. Worship of the Lord and fellowship with believers were an emphasis of the first church in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2. You remember as the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts 1 that I asked you to turn to uh, verse 14 we're going to get to. But there was in ver- the first few verses, the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven and he asked the disciples and the other followers, there was about 120 of them, it said, uh, to, to remain there, probably in that upper room, until the Comforter came, the Holy Spirit would come. We know he came in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and following. And the church began. Well, it was at this time, in this transition, in this beginning of the church, we read in verse 14, these all, that 120 of the disciples or so that were there in the upper room, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. They continued in one accord. They were in unity together, in fellowship together, Uh, in waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then once the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2, Peter's first sermon, at the close of Peter's first sermon, we read in verse 41 and 42, 
Then they that gladly received his word, those that were saved, were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There were people saved, about 3,000. They were baptized and they were added to the church. Uh, we would call that church membership. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and that's in the teachings, and fellowship was emphasized next, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and prayers. This was the emphasis of the first church. Our church today, we intend to pattern and have intended to pattern after the first church. The church that the Lord had started, the first church that his disciples began, the churches that Paul began, they were all after this pattern. And I believe if we're going to be a correct New Testament church today, we ought to be patterned after the same likeness that we see in Acts chapter 2 given for us here. They had not just the teachings, Sunday school and the preaching of the Word of God and Bible studies, but they had fellowship as well as the breaking of bread and prayer. And so it's the fellowship that we want to emphasize as we look into this message today. Paul wrote uh, to the Christians in Rome, and he said in, in uh, um, uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 12, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Now, the three things I emphasize are trying to do in that verse. Comforted together, mutual faith in both you and me. Three times he emphasizes togetherness in fellowship. And that is an emphasis that we want to uh, bring to you this morning. I want us to consider the importance of fellowship and looking at by understanding the basics and the basis for a Christian fellowship. And I'm entitled the message, The Fellowship of the Saints. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, as we consider these thoughts, that you would open our eyes to understand the truth of how important it is for us to be able to fellowship together. I thank you for what you have provided through the videos that we have been uh, viewing the last couple of months. I thank you for that opportunity, the technology uh, that we have, and the opportunity to, to connect with each other that, that way. But Lord, we've been missing in this area of fellowship. And I pray that we would see its importance and that we would want to be back always together and fellowshipping with one another and receiving the benefits of that fellowship as we will notice this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray before coming today, and I talked to Vicki about this, and uh, I said, I hope I can remember how to preach to people <laughs> sitting here. <laughs> I'd say it was a learning curve to sit in my office and try to do a video and preach that way. I, that was so strange. It was hard to get any kind of excitement going on. I'm not looking around seeing faces. I don't know if you're falling asleep or whether you're going to get something to drink out of the refrigerator or what. You know? uh, but anyway, it's good to have each one of you here in front of us. And we'll try to do a good job and remember everything I'm supposed to do. But I want us to see, first of all, the basics of fellowship that God gives us in Scripture. And there are two basic things I want us to understand. What is fellowship and what does it do? What is fellowship and what does it do? Well, what is it? It's the spiritual likeness of one another, of others with ourselves. We praise the Lord for that. Fellowship has been said like two fellows in the same ship. Uh, they got things in common. You know that we may have many different uh, differences when we leave out of here and go into our homes. Our homes may be a little different. Our work situation may be a little different. Our uh, family may be a little different. We may be fighting and struggling with different illnesses or situations that are going on in that direction. There may be relationships that we're dealing with, with our homes and, and families. There may be a lot of different things about us, but when we come together, there is a great similarity that we have a commonness with each other. And that commonness 
is not just that we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. That's a big one, by the way. But because we are in the family of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus together. And we have that likeness. While we may be different, we still have so much in common together. And we have so many reasons to consider one another as we come together. And so fellowship is exactly that, as Paul said it there, being the mutual faith of both you and me. It's, it's togetherness in this faith that is alive. Some may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm very shy. I'm kind of backward. I don't feel comfortable around others, you know, making new friends. And uh, Some people even feel that they call themselves a hermit. <laughs> but you know, fellowship is still important. I'd go as far as to say I believe that we can prove in Scripture that it's pretty much commanded that we be involved in fellowship one with another. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man that has friends must show himself friendly. You know, if you want to make friends, you've got to extend yourself and, and be friendly to others. As the article said, if you just roll in here right before service and roll out of here right after service and say you're hardly boo to anybody, how can you ever expect to learn other people? How can you ever expect to, to have a relationship and fellowship with anyone else in the church if you don't spend time? And so it's important for us to put forth that effort uh, to, it, to learn in fellowship with one another and to experience that together. So what does it do then? That's what it is. What does it do? Well, fellowship shows spiritual interest in others. When you come to church, what do you think about? You? Did you come today to get, see what you could get out of the service? Or did you come today with a mentality, I wonder who else will be there that I'll be able to talk to and to encourage and, and maybe even to console a little bit when they're, if they're going through a lot of toughness in their life. That's part of what fellowship is, as we'll see. It involves two things that are similar in work and in outcome. Those two things are one, discipling and encouraging. Now one is more formal, the discipling, while as the other one is just their everyday come together. Discipling has to do with us, uh, maybe with a new Christian saying, hey, can we meet together, maybe for coffee or a snack, or maybe meet at the church and kind of go through a little Bible study together, maybe only about a half hour, 45 minutes at a time, uh, maybe once a week uh, we can do this and, and kind of do go through some simple things of learning uh, what the Lord says about Christian life and, and how to, to walk with Him. That's disciple. That's more of a formal type setting. The informal part is where we just come together and we're here and we see Mike over here and say, Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> <clears throat> can't do the shaking much anymore. Uh, certainly can't read each other with a holy kiss. But, um, you know, we can, we can check on Mike and we can check on Robbie and, and, uh, and we can check on Dean and, and the different ones and just say, hey, how are you doing? How are things coming? Uh, you got any situations I can pray about? Now, you got to mean that, okay? Some people say, how are you doing today? They start talking and they're going on to the next person. They're not interested in the way good, it's just something they say. Don't let that be. That be genuinely interest, uh, interested in uh, the other person and what's going on. But uh, it's just an everyday, more informal, encouraging them to stay faithful with the Lord and continue on through uh, some of the difficulties that they may be in. We call that encouraging. There's two words in Scripture. There's exhorting and there is consoling, they were comforting, is the word you find in Scripture. Both of them are very closely related. Both of them come from my favorite Greek word, parakaleo. 
Pericalesis is one of the words that's a form of it. It's what the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our Pericleto, is one that comes inside of us and helps and encourages us. And so we are to do that, first of all, the exhorting part. If you'll turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10. We had to, uh, March 15th was our last service. Uh, Marsh Weiser was, was here with us. We had been on Sunday nights with our Bible study with the adults going through the book of Hebrews. We had gotten here uh, pretty much to chapter 10 um, and started into it. Now we're waiting to September, I believe, to get back into that study. But here in Hebrews chapter 10, we have given to us this exhorting part. Before I get into chapter 10, there are some instructions God gives and some commands God gives with this encouraging, exhorting one another. Romans 15, 5 says, Now the God of patience and consolation. The word consolation is that paraclesis, that form of paracleo. That coming alongside to encourage, to console, to comfort. So the God of patience and the God of comfort grant you to be like-minded. In other words, we are to have the same kind of mind to think about encouraging people with patience and consoling people when they're going through difficulty. Like-minded is in the present tense. It means you to keep on having that like-mindedness. Be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. We're to do that one with another. Matter of fact, it's interesting if you ever do a word study, a phrase study, to look up how many times one another is stated in Scripture. God has a lot of things to say to us about one another. Love one another. Encouraging one another. Exhorting one another. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily. <clears throat> While it's called today, exhort, encourage, paracleo. Why? For the purpose, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We are to encourage each other when it comes to our walk and watch for the devil to stand against the deceitfulness that he tries to trick us with sin. We ought to be an encouragement to one another when it comes to those things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together <clears throat> and edify one another even as also you do. Edify, to build up, to benefit, uh, provide, encourage growth spiritually. Here in this key passage in Hebrews chapter 10, I want to first back up to uh, verse 10 where it says, By the which will, the will of God, we are sanctified. Excuse me a second. <coughs> this time of year for me. By the which will, God's will, we are sanctified. The word means to uh, be made holy or purified. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In other words, it is God's will that Jesus Christ died, providing the opportunity for us to have our sins forgiven and be made pure before God in our standing. Verse 19. Uh, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we have been given opportunity to come directly into the presence of the Lord together, not just in prayer, but in our fellowship with our Lord and communion with Him. And the communion in, in prayer is one of the greatest ways that we do so. We have that, and since we have that, then look at verse 22 and following. We have in verse 22, let us then, and verse 23, let us, and verse 24, and let us, I call this the spiritual salad. Let us, let us, let us. Uh, by the way, when I make a salad, I like just iceberg lettuce. 
I don't like this other stuff that you find in some of these salads. Stuff looks like things that I rake up in my backyard in a bowl. Yeah. There's leaves and stuff. That, uh, that may be good for you, but just give me some good life for those. But here we go with the last part. In verse 22, let us draw near, that is to God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. What I want you to see is God says there, since we have been saved, since we have access to God, then let us draw near unto Him. Let us be in close fellowship with the Lord together. Number two, verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. Without wavering and faithful tie together. We are to hold the profession of faith that we have. We are to be a testimony of faithfulness to others that see us. God knows. But let us have a testimony before others that others can see that we are faithful before the Lord because He is faithful that called us. And then verse 24, let us consider one another. Again, this is something that goes directly against our natural flesh old nature. Our natural fleshly old nature is all about number you got it. It wants to think about me. It wants to think about what I want. It wants to think about how long am I going to sit on these hard chairs. It wants to think about all the things that deal with me, you see. But God says, let us consider one another. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. The word provoke there means to incite. Most of the time we hear about someone that's trying to incite a riot, uh, something of that nature. They're trying to bring about certain actions or something that will promote a riot. Well, here it says, let us incite what? Good works. Love. Let us bring about that. It is to pressure our peers for good in a positive way. We call it positive peer pressure. That's what we're to be doing. When, but you've got to consider, you've got to think about somebody else other than yourself to do that. That is what fellowship comes from. You'll never have fellowship if all you think about is yourself. So we must be thinking about and considering one another. And in the context of all of that, he says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, Heraclio, exhorting one another, and so much the, uh, the more as you see the day approaching. We are to be in our gathering together. We're to be drawing closer to the Lord. We're to be exemplifying faithfulness. And we're to be considering one another to encourage the likeness. That's what God wants us to do in our church. It's kind of hard to do that sitting at home watching the video, isn't it? I'm sorry to be back there on the video right now. I hope you can get back with us very quickly. But we need one another. It's not the same to miss the opportunity of the fellowship. Not only the encouraging part, but there's the consoling part. About to get going here. <clears throat> Battery's gonna run low on that. Second Corinthians chapter one. You know this this passage. I've shared it with you before in testimony. But uh, the consoling, the comforting part. Uh, it says in Second Corinthians one, verses three and four. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, the God of all consolation, the one that comforts us who comforts us in all of our tribulation, our trouble, our trials, that, here's the purpose, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves have been covered of God. Vicki and I have often discussed this and commented about this in our lives, that there have been things that we have gone through in different areas of our life that we said, Lord, you know, I don't understand 
why we've got to face this or why this is in our life right now, but I know that you have a reason for it. And later we would think, you know, one of the reasons may have been, one of the reasons may have been, so that we would be more knowledgeable about other people that may be going through similar type, not exact type things, it doesn't have to be, just similar type things. For instance, when we go through a trial and we see God faithful in our lives to walk us through the valley, and that God never leaves us or forsakes us, that He is always there and His grace was sufficient for us, we can go to someone else that's going through any trouble and say, Remember the Lord who has promised to be right here with us. And he said that his grace is sufficient for us. And it was for, for Vicki and I when we went through this. And it will be for you. He is faithful. We can console others with the consolation that God has given unto us as we mingle like grapes together. And so our presence at church is not only to worship and serve God. It's not only for instruction in righteousness, even though those things are great and good. But it is also for encouraging others, encouraging them in right doing and encouraging them in hard enduring that we go through. These are the things, the basics of what fellowship is about. Now very quickly, with me, look at the basis. What is it based upon? I've got a little picture for you up here. You'll notice fellowship diagram. There's God, there's us, uh, and this uh, pyramid, this triangle there. I want you to understand that the closer that we get to God the closer that we will be to each other. Understand that our fellowship with God affects our fellowship with one another. So if we let sin in our life that separates us from God, we're going to lose a desire to be around one another. But as we allow God to work in our life and we get closer to Him, we're going to have a heart to be closer to one another. So we have here the, the example of our basis there. What affects uh, us is our closeness to the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. You know the answer to this. What affects our closeness with God? Sin does. Um, Paul, excuse me, Jesus um, said this in Matthew 24, 12. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because iniquity, sin, shall increase in my life, it causes my love for the Lord to diminish. Now think with me with this. Abounding iniquity is talking about sin that I let in my life that I don't deal with properly. I don't repent. I don't confess it. It's unconfessed sin. I'm not a fellowship with a God. It is affecting my relationship with Him. God even says that He's not even obligated to answer our prayers uh, when we have sin in our life that's unchecked, un unrepented of, unconfessed. Our love then to the Lord is going to be affected. Jesus said, we're going to have a diminished love for Him. Love is a great motivational factor in the believer's life, in your life and mine. If my love for the Lord is diminished, my motivation for serving and worship God is diminished. And my, according to the diagram there, my fellowship with believers is not going to be as desirous. I won't want it as much. But on the other hand, what restores my fellowship with the Lord is if I do recognize my sin and, and repent of it, turn from it, and confess it unto the Lord, Lord, I did this, 
that he says he will be faithful to forgive us of our sins. He will restore us into fellowship with him. Our God is that loving and forgiving and merciful to us. We can have our fellowship restored. And if we and once we have our fellowship restored, then our love is is uh, becomes undiminished, it grows, and that love for God also is a motivational factor that gets me to look to others around me and want to be influential in encouraging them in the same God relationship. That's the way the fellowship works. The basis of it is our fellowship with God. You affect that fellowship, you affect this fellowship. We've got to keep it both in check. So, my question, when you come to church, do you, do you desire fellowship with God and with others? Do you desire to be an encouragement to others? Or are you thinking primarily about what you hope to get from it yourself? I hope we all get something ourselves. But that should not be our only hope. Now I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads where you are and I want you to think about what I'm fixing to say. Is it possible that God right now has brought something to your mind, some sin to your mind that you have not repented of, you have not confessed unto Him, and you know right now that God is dealing with your heart about that. He is dealing with your heart about it, if you're thinking about it right now, because God does not want any sin in our life. He wants us to be holy and see us holy. If he has revealed that to you, why not right now surrender to him and repent of that sin, turn from it, and say, well, I don't want that anymore, and confess that sin unto him and receive his forgiveness. Ask God then to increase your desire to encourage others, to impact others, and then look for ways specifically to be that encourager. Would you do that as believers today? And then if you are here today without the Lord Jesus Christ, and I make it very plain to you that you cannot have any fellowship with God at all without first becoming His child, But through the Lord Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you can be reconciled into a right relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, verse 17, I think most of us would know. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. You're saved. You belong to God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God begins to do a change in your life. All things become new. And verse 18 says, And all things, those things that God are working on, all things are God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. If we have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord, you don't know what that is, you're not sure of it, would you please see me after the service and ask, how you can know for sure that you're a child of God, you've been reconciled unto the Lord, and that you can experience that fellowship with Him that we've been talking about. Father, I pray for each one of us that as we have considered what you have said today, you have spoke to our hearts, we've listened 
I pray, Lord, that we have responded in a way that would be pleasing to you. For anyone here today that has never trusted the Lord, I pray that they would make that choice before they leave. And any one of us, Lord, that that is not living the way that we should for you, that we would deal with that before we leave today as well. That we can leave out of here fresh in our fellowship with you and, Lord, seeking fellowship with one another. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to just sing a, a little hymn here. I don't, I don't even know if we need to, but that's what's going to be here. Uh, I was going to have him just play a little bit, but, but that's not necessary. I want you to consider what we have talked about, and I want to thank you for being here today. Uh, there's one little thing I want to share with you as we as we close and dismiss out of here. I got this in the mail, actually. It was in the mailbox yesterday. It's one uh, missionary that came uh, and did, did some deputation here, and it is um, a quote uh, from C.H. Spurgeon. Some of you know, recognize the name. It says, and by the way, this was a quote from him during an 1866 uh, cholera outbreak. There was a pandemic type situation back then as well. It says, now is the time for all of you who love souls. You may see men more alarmed than they are already. And if they should be mind, uh, excuse me, if they should be mind that you avail yourselves of the opportunity of doing good to them. In other words, if they recognize that you're trying to do good unto them, he goes on to say, you have been a bomb in Gilead. When their wounds smart or hurt, they pour it on in. Um, you know of him who died to save. Tell them of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes. Tell them that God became a man, that man might be lifted to God. Tell them of Calvary and its groans, its uh, cries, and its sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them that there is life for a look at the crucified one. Tell them that he is able to save to the uttermost all them that come to God by him. Tell them that he is able to save even at the eleventh hour and to save to the dying thief today thou shalt be with me in paradise. We serve the crucified one. And he is the answer. And there are people that you're coming across and that you speak of, whether it's in your backyard to a neighbor, whether it's at work, whether it's uh, family members, that may be more alarmed right now because of what they're going through and we're going through, that may be open more to think about salvation and what God has offered. Why not take advantage and reach out to them and share the truth of Jesus Christ? As we dismiss, we've got ushers that will be at each one of the doors with an offering plate. You can place your offering in there as you leave. Don't forget Wednesday night, 7.30 is our prayer service in the auditorium. And again, thank you for being here with us today. It's good to see your faces. I hope that you'll be back with us next Sunday, 11 o'clock, in here uh, to join with us again. Let's be dismissed in prayer as we go. Father, again, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And we ask for your protection and guidance as we go. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.